Welcome to our opinion. This is Saratova Best. Parsha's bow. We're preparing for Yud Shvat. Um, this year is more applicable than ever before. <laughs> we'll see. Um, the Sicha, there are many, many parts to this Sicha. Um, and of course, the main question is, and it's pretty famously known, why is this Shem saying Bayel Paro come to Paro? Why, why, why is Hashem saying that? Why is Hashem saying that to Meishu Rabbi? That means that um, something's going on. When you think of Meishu Rabbeinu, you know Meishu Yisrael Yisrael who Meishu. So you're within Meishu Rabbeinu, and all the souls are within him. And therefore, when you're hearing about Meishu Rabbeinu, you aren't Meishu Rabbeinu, but there's a spark of Meishu Rabbeinu in you. You're really hearing about yourself on some level. Uh, again, take take what I'm saying in within context. You're basically, if Hashem is saying Bayel Paro, you Maishir Benu, come with me to Paro, and you have a spark of Maishir Benu in you, then clearly Hashem is also in this week speaking to the spark of Maishir Benu in you and saying, come to Paro. That's the first thing. So, of course, a bunch of questions come up if you're thinking like a five-year-old, which we should, which is, um, why should we go? I mean, who, who would want to go to Paris? Didn't seem like a really good guy. What do I get from that? Um, you know, uh, we've kind of um, all been brought up in the culture when, you know, let's say a little girl comes home and says, um, that person was so mean to me so the knee-jerk reaction is that person was so bad and so mean so the knee-jerk reaction is stay away from them don't go to them stay away from them in fact what we're dealing with in the jewish community now with all the feelings of, of 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 betrayal of what's what and who's who and how can people not be true and and how can people look one way and act another way and feel another way and all of this other stuff, which is really exploding and is an important question to explode. Um, uh, in general, if you go to somebody and say, I met a bad person, <laughs> normally they'll say, well, then stay away from them. Don't talk to strangers. Stay away from bad people, etc." And by the way, I'm just going to make a comment parenthetically. I'm just, it's just before I start this topic. And the comment is the following. I, I'm not a, obviously I'm not a TV watcher, but everybody was watching this show, Stissel, you know, about, about from, uh, you know, Beisharim or something, uh, families in, in Yerushalayim in the, what's called Ultra Haredi neighborhood. It's a very interesting show, although it's very, TV-ish, you know, with all the drama, and you get addicted to the drama, and you you can feel it. And so I decided to watch one or two pieces of it, and um, it was it was deeply disturbing. And the reason it was deeply disturbing is because the characters were all very, 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 very special people, very, very able. A lot of them, I mean, not all of them, but there were certain characters that were really able from. Uh, Yerushamayim Yidin, with really Edelamidus, like every tenua, every move, every facial expression, every way they moved their, their finger, their hand there, they walked, they stood, they, they, they stood up from a chair, they moved. Was a, there were several characters, really very Edel. 
and very, you know, very, very authentically, you know, these are the kind of people that I would, um, you know, love to be friends with, be part of, the, be part of those people. Very, very special, very, very sincere Erlicha people. And then I, uh, happened to watch, you know, after you see the, the series thing, then they show you the crew, the cast, the, the actors, and you see the actors being interviewed, and then the actors all got together one time to give a happy Pesach message to everybody. None of them are from, and they, quite honestly, I'm sorry to say, look quite grub. Very grub, like real kind of like, I'm sorry to say, grub, secular Israelis, very, very much so, very authentically grub secular Israelis. And I was shocked because I could not believe that such pretty grub-looking and grub-acting people, you could see them, they're just like very, you know, kind of trust. How are they able to mimic so authentically such Adela Yerushamayim personalities. You mean the whole thing is a fake? I mean, if you're an Adela Yerushamayim, you can't fake it. But actors can. And the dichotomy between the actors who are so oh, beautiful in their midas and and the way they are in their regular life, I, I, I was shocked. I was, I felt violated by that dichotomy. And I didn't really get over it. This was, I don't know, a number of months ago. Which really prepared me for the huge violation that the Jewish world went through when certain figures were found to be not what they thought that they were. Certain people who people thought were a certain way and really turned out to be much grubber than that, and even worse than that. And then you understood there's something going on in life that is possible to appear one way and play the part so authentically that no one would ever suspect. And at the same time, you have a whole other part of your life that's quite, quite grub. And this I started to understand by watching this show Stissel, one episode, and see how actors literally can act parts, and they can go, they literally can, you know, for three episodes, for three seasons, they play the young Bucher, and then they get another TV series, and they play some um, nasty basketball player. They play completely different roles. It's an act. It's an act. It's just an act. The whole thing is just a facade. They're actors. So the fact that Bashkach Pratis, this is happening in the Jewish world now, connected to Parshas Bay. So let's see where that takes us. Let's see what Hashem is telling us. We know that Hashem is the real thing. He doesn't act. Although Hashem puts himself in various persona, in various ways that he will bring himself to appear. Sometimes the vengeful God, sometimes, and sometimes as a kind God. But nothing's an act by Hashem. So here we come to <coughs> the command of Hashem to Meishur being Bayopara. And as we said, in this Parsha, that means Hashem is speaking to us. Come to Para. Para is the bad guy. Oh, as we said, 
before. You come home and you say, I met Paro and he's a monster. What's your mother going to tell you? Stay away from him. Don't go near him. He's a monster. Right? Okay. But here, Hashem is saying, come, let's go. Let's go to the monster. Imagine Hashem himself, Melech Malchim Lachim, is saying, come, my Shurdenu, let's go to the monster. Not stay away from him, but let's go to the, the monster. And Bayal Para is the beginning of the whole process. It's the name of the process of Geula. It's the name of the Parsha of Geula. And therefore, it begins, it is the beginning. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's not, um, it's not just preparing for something else, but Bayal Para is the beginning of the Geula itself. You know, at that point, I mean, when you want to say, as we came down to Gullus in Mitzrayim, things were good, and then at some point they started to really become very, very bad. What was the moment, in a sense, of the turnaround when the Geula began? Because sometime later we marched out in full view, full, full broad daylight. We, we walked out of Mitzrayim. When did that begin? The moment of Bayopara. When Hashem took Meshur Benu by the hand and said, we're going to the enemy. Now. We're going to face him. Now. <coughs> Excuse me. And that means that in this week before Yud Shvat, because Parshish Bay is always before Yud Shvat connected to Yud Shvat, Hashem is saying to us, come by the hand of Meshur Benu and us. We're going to face, we're going straight to the monster. Well, the monster happens to be at that point. And so um, we understand here that Yitzis Mitzrayim <coughs> Yitzis Mitzrayim is the beginning of all the Geulas. And therefore, Bayo Paro, come to Paro, is not only the beginning of the Geula from Mitzrayim, it's the beginning of the entire the Geula of the future. <coughs> So we're understanding there's something about when we look at the world today and all the monsters are kind of exploding in front of our faces. Everything's kind of blowing up. You know, all the all the surprises are happening. You know, all the – it's just fireworks all the time. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're not necessarily good surprises. And um, – Hashem seems to be uh, taking us through a process by Opara. The things we thought, you know, let's just not deal with that. Hashem says, yeah, we're going to. We're going to. We're going to deal with that. (coughs) So now we have to understand um, by Opara, everything in Tyra is, um, is eternal. And everything in, in Tyra is a hira. So the interesting thing is Bioparo shows that para is powerful at that moment. It's called the Taikov. And Maishar Benu has to come to him and can't go alone. He's really too scary for that. That one he can't do. Maishar Benu is too big to just face alone. And not only that, um, Paro said to him, 
I hope I pronounced that right. Hera said to him, leave me. Don't come to see me again. The day that you come to see me again and the day that you see my face, you will die. Well, no wonder my Shurbanu didn't want to go. Isn't that the feeling? When people feel like, I, <coughs> excuse me, I can't deal with this, this, and this because the day I have to look at it, I will not survive it. So that seems like the opposite of Gula's Mithraim because Gula's Mithraim means para, the big monster, is defeated. Gula means the monster is defeated. And we win. So how can Bael Paro, it's acknowledging he is in full power. How is that Gaula when he's in full power? So what is this, what is this for us at this very moment in history? Everything in the world, even things that are the opposite of Kedusha and the opposite of good, have a source in Kedusha. And in this, the source in Kedusha, that's where the real thing is. But after it goes through many, 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 many steps of many, many contractions, with many, many, many covers in front of it, then it will come down to something that's the opposite. Again, I'm just going to open that statement again. Everything comes from a source in, in something holy. Only the thing, there are certain things that are in this world are holy right now. You look at Tefillin, they look holy right now. So in their source, they're holy. And even down here, they're holy. And you don't have to do a lot of work to feel that they're holy. On the other hand, um, on the other hand, Things that look extremely evil down here, they have their source in holiness as well. But when they come down, there are so many coverings, so many contractions from the source, down, 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 down. And so many coverings over the true source that by the time you see it down here, it sure does look evil. So that's what, it, what, what, that's the situation with Para. It says in Zaihar based Para, the idea of Para and Zaihar is talking about um, the great serpent. This great serpent, the Tanin Hagadol, great serpent slithering in the river, slithery evil serpent in this river Nile, this Avaita Zara, etc. And the house of Paro. It's a very, very great, strong, evil kayach, and yet in its source, it's something totally different. A revelation of something very high. <clears throat> so from Paro in his source in Kedusha, what is the word Paro in Kedusha in his source? Take the evil power Paro and go all the way up, 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 through billions of contractions, reverse engineer all the way back up to the source. Paro is in its source, Priya Vigili El Kuso Yisprech. The uncovering and the revelation 
of powerful godliness in the source, not down here. It's an interesting thing, though, because just parenthetically, from here we understand the, you want to say, technique based on a truism, that if you look at something that's not so good and you refer to it as being good, again, we're not talking about things against halakha, but so how how do you transform things in this world? Again, not things that are forbidden and say, "Oh, it's really good." That's called cancel culture. That's called it's, that's called um, far left, extreme left, what it radical left. In fact, it's very interesting. If you learn this sicha carefully, you'll understand. It seems that what the radical left and the whole democratic and the whole radical left and the BLM and all that stuff. I'm just going to call it stuff, that mindset, that insane mindset that says blue is pink and pink is blue and good is bad and bad is good and all of that, and everything is racist. That whole mindset, you know, that it's the catchword, it became a new catchword, and you say, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't like ice cream. I really, you know, hey, you want to go for ice cream? No, I don't like ice cream. It's just... It's just too cold to eat ice cream in the wintertime. They say, oh, you're so racist. What? So it became a catchword for, uh, I don't like your view. Your view differs from my view. You're not allowed to disagree with me. I'm right, you're wrong. So you're racist. It's a Meshuggah world. It's called, all the crazy stuff is called good, and all the good stuff is called crazy. It's really possible that that whole radical left BLM catch-all, you're a racist, if you don't like ice cream, you know, if you, if, if you know, or you're a racist, if you talk about peanut butter because some people are allergic to peanuts and it's disrespectful to people who have allergies and therefore you're a racist, etc. And um, you think it sounds like a joke, but it's not a joke. Um, that's the way it goes in the world. It could be that all of that is the Klepedic version of look at something very, very bad down here and trace it back to its source, and you will see that in its source, it's a very high level of Kedusha. I'm not saying that BLM and all that other stuff is a very high level of Kedusha. I'm saying they're calling something bad down here good. They're doing the Kalipadic version of in Kedusha. If you look at something that's not the best, not something against Allah, but something that's not, you know, oh, she's so selfish, right? But let's say, and you give her a different name. You take a child who doesn't want to share her toy. You know, I don't want, you know, do you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to give out your puzzle so everybody else can use it? No, I want to use it myself. Oh, you're so selfish. So if we call it something else, it will often transform. You call something that's not the best and call it by something else, bring it all the way back up to its source, it can often transform it. Now, again, what the far the radical left is doing is they're not doing the holy version of that. They're doing the Klepedic version of that. It's the offshoot of it. But it's interesting, this idea of Baal Tara. Tara, he's the bad guy. He's the worst guy. He's the worst, worst. We have a few worst guys in history. 
He's on the list. He's the source. He's one of the sources of all the bad, 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 bad guys. Very simple reason. He doesn't want us to get to Matan Taira. That's it. That just labeled him. He doesn't want the Jewish people to connect with Hashem or connect with Taira. What are we here to do? Connect with Hashem and connect with Taira. That's our raison d'etre. That's what we exist for. That is our very essence. If he tries to stop it, it means he is fighting the very essence of truth and purpose and the whole basis of every of all of creation, of all of existence. So, of course, he's the bad guy. So, on the other hand, in his source, he even goes beyond being just the bad guy. He's got a whole other identity, two identities. So, Bayopara in his source in Kedusha, in the Zaire it says, Bayopara, um, it doesn't say, again, go to para. When, when Maisha made it says, gee, I'm afraid to go, Hashem doesn't say, I'm, okay, so go anyway to para. He says, come, I will go with you. Um, And the reason, and, and Paro is called Hatanina Gadol HaRevet Betaski Ara, the evil, slithery serpent, very klipadic serpent, a spiritual serpent, within the Nile River. The Nile River was a source of tremendous Avaidazara. It's the place from which Paro was able to believe that not only is there no Hashem, God forbid, that he himself is the creator of the world. Boom. We just encapsulated Klippa. We gave it a conversation. What does the absolute um, concentrated Klippa say? What does it say? You know, you can do a little cartoon comic strip. What does it say? It doesn't say, I don't know. You think there's really a God? No, it doesn't say that. It says, I am God. I am the creator of the world. Lashurvena said, let my people go. And Pyro said, why? Who says? Lashurvena said, Hashem said. Pyro asked, who's Hashem? What do you mean? Said Lashurvena. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He created all of us. And, of course, Pyro says, what? I created... I created heaven and earth. I created myself from the river Nile, and I created heaven and earth. I am the creator. There's no Hashem. It's me. There's no Hashem. It's me. All this stuff you 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 feel is has been done by Hashem and is being done by Hashem. You got it wrong, says Pyro. I'm the one who does it and did it. I'm the creator of the world. And I'm the creator of myself. And I'm the creator of everything that I have accomplished and will accomplish. Now, interestingly, when we talk about co-creation in this generation, 
it becomes even trickier because there's a truth to that. But we're talking about co-creation, understanding that everything we do, we are powerful expressions of Hashem's power in this world. That's what Meisher Beta was saying. Versus Paro, who says the same thing minus Hashem. We've said many times. Meisher Beta says, I... Paro says, I. Meisher Benu says in the Chumash, and I will give you grass, I will give you rain, I will give you crops, I will give you food, I will give you... Excuse me? Meisher Benu means himself. Meisher Benu does not have a sense of his existence, of his own existence. He probably doesn't know that he exists. When he looks at self, he most probably sees only Hashem. He doesn't, he probably doesn't know, according to what we understand entirely, he probably, it's not that he feels like, I am smaller than Hashem. Hashem is much bigger than me. That's not Meishurbenu. And that's not Bittel. True Bittel is, oh, I didn't know I existed. I thought it was all Hashem. Is this the time to say, is this the time to say the jokes that I always say? being on the kibbutz many years ago, and somebody asked, um, somebody had a guest for Sunday morning breakfast, and he said, do you want lechem sorfati? you want French toast? And he said, what is it? I heard this conversation. He said, what is it? He said, you know, you take leftover challah, and you put it with eggs, and you fry it. <clears throat> French toast, lechem sorfati. <laughs> and the fellow said, lechem sorfati, French toast, I always thought it was called Lechem Polani. I always thought it was called Polish toast. His mother was from Poland. So she always used to serve them what we call French toast. She called it Polish toast because that's the way, she, you know, because that's what they ate in Poland. So, right? So, right? Here is Para. I, I always thought it was me who made the world. You mean, you mean it's Hashem who made the world? No. That's ultimately, when Maishu Rabbeinu is speaking about I, there is no sense of I. It's, what? Oh, there's a me? I didn't know there's something outside of Hashem. And Paro is saying, what? There's Hashem? I didn't know there's something other than me. So you have two opposite conversations. And we we have the source. We have the uh, merit, I don't want to say fun, We'll object to it. The merit of spending our lives figuring out where we stand in this, you know, whom we whom whom we identify with at any given moment. At any given moment when I'm disappointed because Amazon brought me the wrong sink part and I still won't have a sink. So do I feel, you know, do I feel like, wait a minute, I do I feel like, wait a minute, Hashem do I, really, do I feel I want this? Oh, I, that's what Parah says. I need this. I don't care what Hashem wants. I care what I want. As opposed to Meishur who says, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know there was an I. I mean, I thought I means Hashem. Oh. Oh, what's this self thing that you're talking about? No doubt, again, I'm not the psychologist of Meishur Benu, and I don't know that much Hasidus, but it seems in Hasidus that what we're understanding is 
on the deepest level of stepping into Maishra Benu in you, Maishra Benu probably doesn't have a sense, maybe I'm wrong, of, you mean there's something outside of Hashem? What is this I thing? When you say I, who do you mean? He means Hashem. He may even not be able to understand that other people don't mean Hashem when they say I. Maybe. I don't know. These are all questions. I'm not the expert. I don't know. But so within all of this, here is this Tanin Hagadol, this evil, evil serpent in the River Nile. And it's this, the powerful Klippa. And um, um, because of the power of Etim Klippas Pare in his, um, within his own palace. That's where he had his real strength, within his own palace. And it comes from a very high source. Meshur Bain was afraid to go. Would you want to face the evil serpent, the evil spiritual force within the Avaitazar River? Uh, no. I wouldn't. And Meshur Bain said, I'm not going there. So Hashem did not say, of course, go, but rather come. Of course you can't go there alone. Of course, of course I'm not going to send you there alone. Of course I'll go with you there. Wouldn't we all love to hear that? You know, as children, when we said, this is scary and that's scary and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that and that's scary and we were told, just do it anyway. Oh, I hate those words. Just do it. Oh, awful. Awful words. Just do it. Nike shoes or something like that. Just do it. I No, thank you. I'm not buying Nike shoes. Just do it. So, um... Within that, just just do it. Wouldn't it be good if somebody said, you know, you say, I don't want to go alone. I'm afraid. And you were told, of course not. I'll go with you. Right? I'll go with you. And Hashem said, I will go with you. Hashem took him together with the Pneumius and Etim of Klippas Pare, inner chamber within inner chamber, in order to conquer him. To conquer him. And therefore, one more part here. Well, we want to understand. Bayal Pare. Okay, so two, one more question. Is that all that Pare was? Just a deep klipa? No. We said in his source, very high revelation. So why are you afraid? So we're left with the following question that we may answer in the next audio, which is, we get it. Maishu Rabbeinu was afraid to face such a very deep klipa. But if in truth... Haro is also a revelation of the highest in his sources, the re- highest revelation. Why is Maishu Rabbeinu afraid of that? What's so scary about facing so much good? And that's that's a question that's a really current modern question, the modern issue. We know we're used to the idea that um, people don't want to face their stuff, their skeletons, and maybe we don't. We really, you know, there's this, 
I'm sorry, I'm going on a digression, but there there are old psychological theories that, it, that say that until you face it, you'll never move forward. And it is always some deep, dark, horrible secret. <laughs> right? Until you face it, the deep, dark, slithery serpent within the River Nile, you're never going to get anywhere until you face it. Uh, who wants to? It is probably, you know, the question is, after you face it, Here's a very simple question. If your therapist tells you you have to face it, and it is so frightening, in order for you to progress and move forward in your life, here's the question you want to ask yourself. Is your therapist skilled enough to take you to that place of it and bring you out the other side and you live to tell the tale and you live and you are they it's very easy to tell people face it the deep dark slithery serpent very easy but is that therapist skilled enough are they just you know it's easy to throw you know blah 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 and say face it you want to ask them, okay, if I face it, are you able to take me to it, safely into it, and safely out of it, and he- open, heal, and close? And if not, are you willing to take responsibility for getting me to face it if you did a lousy job and you botched it up? And if not, you know, like, what is it? Avi, Avi Fishhoff says, you know, parents would, uh, go to therapists and they would get just terrible advice. Kids were struggling and kids were staying out really late at night and doing really not such moral things on the streets late at night, et cetera, et cetera. And they'd go to these ding dong therapists who would say, lock the door at midnight and say, if you're not home by midnight, then that's it. And and he said, that's dumb advice. And so I'm just quoting Avi Fishoff. And then, so if the parents follow, you know, they spent a lot of money. So they followed the therapist and they kept locking the door. And so the child ended up finding other places to sleep, etc. And one day, there's a very, very, very big crisis, God forbid. And they call the same therapist who gave this lousy advice to begin with and charged a lot of money. This is what Avi Fishas says. And they say, help, help, help. What, what do I do? You know, you told me do this. I'm following you. Will you take me through this to the end? She says, so what do they do? I don't know why I'm laughing. They call and they say, emergency, emergency. What do we do now? The person that the child that I locked out locked out of the house for all that time now, da da da, emergency room, uh, this and that, overdose, you know, yeah, da, da, overdose, da da da. What do I do? So they they say call nine one one. Hello. You were supposed to see me through this right to the end, not call one nine one one. Don't throw it off on somebody else. So I'm just saying parenthetically when. Somebody, when a, a lousy therapist says, you have to face it in order to move forward in life, 
Are they good enough to take you through that journey to it and back safely? And if they're not, thank you, but no thank you. But maybe it, and I'm going to say, but today we have ways of facing it without facing it. Because Tara, in his source, he has two identities. Very, very, very profoundly deep klipa. Very frightening. He has a whole other identity. A revelation of something very powerful. So there are alternate ways of fighting, of, of, of facing the complex stuff. Without, with, without the person becoming totally destroyed themselves. God forbid. And also, again, it needs to be the one who takes you there. In this case, Hashem said, we're going to go face it. You can trust Hashem. If he says, we are going, come with me, Hashem you can trust. When he says, come to Paro, he's going to keep you safe. Which is not necessarily the case with your therapist. So, just a little, yeah, station identification. So, the question we have is, why would... um Maishu Rabbeinu be afraid to face Paro in his other identity, the revelation of something so intense, the revelation of such powerful godliness. Oh, sorry. We'll end with this. That was the question. That's the question today in the world. You know, um, you know, we deal with people who are afraid to, they're afraid to fail, and what if they fail, and what, you know, etc. But the failure of success, that's a relatively new thing. We're not used to realizing, hey, we're all, we're afraid of things really getting messy. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to succeed? It's just as scary? Ah, that's the other opposite. So, the question that we're left with is that the, the Rebbe is asking in the Sikha, why is Maishu Rabbeinu not only afraid to face Paro in his lower sense as that deep klipa, but in the higher sense as the revelation of the most the powerful light? And why does Hashem have to take him there, surround him and bring him in a bubble of Hashem's presence either way? What is that all about and what's that all about for us?